everybody. My name is Bill Kiefer, and I want to welcome you to our podcast, Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. I believe the Bible is a book that God gave to us that's full of insights, wisdom, promises, and many other things that help us live daily life. So join me for the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God to find that practical wisdom we need today. Should the enemy try to condemn our fight, his righteousness will Well, praise God. Welcome again to Practical Wisdom from the Word of God. My name is Bill Kiefer, and we're here to help you with some things that can change the way you live life right here and now. That's why we like to call it practical, because it's not just about theory or theology or good ideas or anything like that. When you look at Jesus' teaching, you find that he really talked to real people about real circumstances. There were some things he said that were geared towards later, but those that are geared towards later were geared towards us, and they apply to our real life. So that's what we're talking about. How can the Word of God, our relationship with God, how does it help us in our living the life that we face here on earth? And so today, uh, I'm going to change directions just a little bit because uh, there's more I want to share with you about releasing your potential. But one of the things that will help release your potential involves what we're celebrating this week, at least where I am right now. I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but uh, we're just before Thanksgiving. The Monday before Thanksgiving is when I'm recording this. And uh, there's something about giving thanks that we need to understand. Lots of things about it that we need to understand. But it's one of the major things that will help us release the potential that God has in us is if we will be a thankful people. I like to point out the fact that uh, Luke chapter uh, chapter 11, I believe it is, there's a story of, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 17, verse 11, there's the story of a group of people that came to Jesus. They were lepers, and these lepers, this disease was something that was really considered highly contagious. They didn't really understand it. And it was a devastating disease. It would I've I've seen it and it will eat away fingers and toes and even noses and ears and eventually it will just kill you. But in their day, it was so highly feared. It was so feared that uh, people who had it were separated and segregated. And so in this story, we find 10 people that came to Jesus and all of them Uh, wanted healing from leprosy, but nine of them were Jewish believers, or not believers, but they were Jewish, and one of them was a Samaritan, and the Samaritan would have been kind of looked down upon. But you know, when you're a leper, you're a leper. doesn't matter where you come from. But these 10 people came to Jesus. Jesus said to them, when they asked if, if he would heal them, that he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. Nothing happened until they went. Now, that was Jesus' direction, and they all did what Jesus said to do. Hallelujah. What we find out is, that along the way they got healed. But one of them, and it happened to be the Samaritan, turned around and came back to Jesus and said to him, uh, fell down before him and began to give him thanks. And Jesus said, uh, how come there's only one that came back? Where are the other nine? Now, I find it interesting because he never told them to come back. But one man saw something more than just what he wanted to get. He saw that there was a need for a personal expression of gratitude to Jesus. And Jesus prays, uh, doesn't pray, but he makes a statement and he says, your faith has made you whole. And I always thought about this because nine of them got healing. And there's nothing wrong with that. They got what they came for and they 
they went to, uh, on to do their religious duty. But this man came back, and Jesus said, now many different translations, it often comes out, uh, uh, your faith has healed you, or your faith has saved you. Those are good translations, but I like what it says in the King James. It says, your faith made you whole, because as I think about this disease, I think there was much more to it than the physical side. And certainly it could have meant if he lost hands and fingers were eaten off and a nose was eaten off, that they were restored. God can do that, you know. But I think it also meant that those things that happen inwardly, if you're rejected by your family, if you're segregated, think of it as quarantine indefinitely until you die and nobody can come. Uh, as we were going through this whole uh, pandemic thing that they, they, they required, particularly initially, that people just be quarantined and grandparents couldn't see their grandchildren and people couldn't visit. And frankly, I'm not, don't mean to be political, but I don't think that at all was necessary at all. And we didn't really do that. But at any rate, imagine that that's the case and you have to do it forever. You just can never hug your children again. Never, never be with your relatives again. Can't do your business anymore. What would that have done to people psychologically? I believe when this man came to Jesus, Jesus made him whole, not just whole in his body, not just healed, but totally whole in his spirit, in his soul, all the inward things, the emotional things, maybe even uh, restoring business, whatever it meant for him to be whole, he was made whole. The other nine got healed, but the one who was thankful was made whole. I really feel like it's important to point this out, though I'm taking time from something else, uh, and we're just going to take the time that we need today, but um, Thanksgiving to a Christian is not just responding to good things that happen. It is that. But thanksgiving to a Christian is is to be proactive. Uh, Jesus said, when you pray, believe that you receive. Paul talked about giving thanks in all things. And so we need to understand that when we have a thankful heart, it will draw good things to us. But the other side of that coin is what I really want to look at. And I, I, I say I want to. I feel like God told me to. And as I went through this, I'm thinking, I really don't want <laughs> I don't want to look at this. I don't want to talk about some of these things, but it's necessary because if thankfulness draws good things to us, if thankfulness opens up the spirit, uh, the supernatural in our life and releases the potential of God within us, what does unthankfulness do? Well, let's find out. In uh, the book of Romans, chapter 1, and we're going to start reading in verse 21, it says, because they knew God. Now, leading up to this verse, there's a lot he's talking about the fact that really nature tells you God exists, uh, that, that there really is no excuse for not believing in God. And I know today uh, it really sounds, that, uh, the, there's a lot of voices that make it sound like there's a lot of reason not to believe. And when you go out into the community, I think we run into, I run into more that sense of this really isn't real. This is just religion. This is not something that, that, that really I need in my life. If you need it, fine. But it's not some real thing that can have real effect in my life. And that's why we call this practical wisdom from the Word of God, because I believe it can. But in this section of Scripture, he goes on in verse 21 to say, because they all, because although they knew God, it says here they knew God. How did they know Him? They knew Him by nature. They knew Him by what they saw around them. But let's take that to, uh, to a different place and apply it to us. I'm born again. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And if you are in that condition, you know God. 
And it says that they knew God. Even those of us who knew God, something was working in them. It says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. And that's step one uh, that, that produced the result we're going to talk about in a minute. They, they knew him but they wouldn't treat him like God. Hallelujah. I believe for many Christians, we know God, we know who he is, but we don't respond to him like he's really the almighty God, the God of the universe, the God who is the source of all things, the God who is the source of our life, the God who can do anything, the God of holiness, the God of righteousness. We don't treat him that way. When we look at things, we tend to minimize what he is. And in minimizing him, we don't, we don't access what he has for us. And the reason they did that, I think, is the very next phrase. It says, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. Why weren't they glor? What was it about their lifestyle that caused them not to glorify him as God? Well, they weren't thankful. They were unthankful people. They were people who always looked at what God had not done instead of what God has done. Listen, these words come to me just like they come to you. Sometimes conviction isn't easy to deal with, but uh, if we respond to com- conviction, things change. And and they they were not thankful. And so in their unthankfulness, listen, in our unthankfulness, what are we really doing? We're telling God, you are not really able to take care of me. You are not doing a good job. You are not uh, you are not able to see uh, in my life what I need. And uh, we talked about this a while ago and talking about waiting. They that wait upon the Lord, it says that sometimes what they said was, don't you understand that we're being treated unjustly? And we think that way when we're unthankful, that brings us to a place where we think God just isn't really taking care of us. And in that, we're treating him like he's not God. We're not honoring him. That's what it says. We are not honoring him as God. Listen, he's God. (laughs) I mean, I don't care what else you think, what else you know, he's God. Now, what was the effect of this? And I want to take a minute with this. It says, because they, they, uh, let's reread it just to kind of get the flow. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. And then it goes on to say, professing to be wise, they became fools. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image. That's where idolatry came from and all that that, uh, that kind of thing because they weren't treating God like God. And the core of it was they were unthankful. It says that their thoughts became futile. You know, unthankfulness makes us think uh, incorrectly. And the word futile there, it kind of means fruitless. It kind of means no point. I looked up the Greek word and, and it means, uh, it means, uh, passive. It's like they come, they're there, but they're not really doing anything. Something that's passive is not really working. It's not really producing. Unthankfulness brings our thinking into a place where it's not producing fruit. It's not producing the fruit of the Spirit. It's not producing fruit in our lives. Their thoughts, and and all of us know, we get to that place where we're dwelling on unthankful things, and one bad thing leads to another. It just kind of keeps going backwards until we just can't think clearly anymore. I've been there. You've been there. And so what do we need to do about that? And it goes on to say that they're foolish hearts. Now the heart, I I don't really want to take the time to get into what I believe the heart is, but I believe it's the center of our thinking. I don't believe it's synonymous with the spirit. It's a different word in the Greek. It's cardia in the Greek, but our hearts are our soul, our intellect, 
our our will. And I believe that heart part of our soul is the deepest part of us. And our the deepest part of our thinking, if you will, of our emotions can become darkened. Now, we don't start out that way, all right? Uh, this is a progress. The more we allow unthankfulness, the more we refuse to be thankful, the more we can come to a place where inside there's a darkness that begins to reside. Inside, we come to the place where we just aren't seeing God at work at all in our lives. And unthankfulness is the thing that opens that up. Thankfulness draws God to us. Thankfulness draws good things to our life. But unthankfulness will cause us to feel like we're separating from God. That doesn't mean we are, but we begin to feel that way, and it where uh, uh, thankfulness, I believe, turbocharges, if you will, our faith. Unthankfulness kind of drains it of its power, and so uh, our thinking gets unfruitful. We're just not thinking right, and I've been there. You've been there. Our uh, and and it can get to the point where inside we just end up dwelling in darkness. doesn't mean we're not saved. It doesn't mean we're separating from God. But it means that at the deepest part of us, we allow that unthankfulness to get to a place where it just darkens our view of life. It darkens everything around us. Come on, we call that depression. And and I'm not making light of anything, by the way. Uh, depression, we feel that way sometimes. And there can be a real... Um, physical causes of depression, all that. I know that. I've been in this a long, long time, dealt with a lot of people. But let me tell you, we don't have to stay there. And most of the time, what we're calling depression is not something that we can overcome. It's something that we simply, at that point in time, don't want to. Now, come on, don't get mad at me because I said that. I'm talking about myself. We get to that point when we're not thankful. So if unthankfulness brings us there, guess what will get us out of it? being thankful. Hallelujah. The more we're thankful. That's why, uh, you know, I don't think it's any any coincidence that uh, we, and, and certainly in the United States, uh, celebrate a holiday called Thanksgiving just before Christmas. Before, that's the beginning of the holiday season. And the whole, I believe, God's purpose is for us to step back for a few moments and, and begin to thank God for what we have, begin to thank God for where we are. Now, if there's one group of people that uh, were more unthankful than any other group of people that I know of in the Bible. It had to be Israel in the wilderness. And I think if we're uh, if we're um, honest with ourselves, we can realize and we will admit that the the gateway to unthankfulness is something called grumbling or complaining. But I like the word right now. I want to use the word grumble when we grumble about stuff. Because what are we doing when we're grumbling? No, I wasn't speaking in tongues. I was grumbling. That means that we're mumbling. We're just talking under our breath. There's always something going on, and we we start to focus more and more on the negative as we grumble. You know, there's something about words. The more we speak those words, I you know, and and again, I know this, but I still fall into the trap. The more we speak those words, the more we reinforce those things in our life. And so, uh, grumbling. Now, I, I've identified, and and this is what I really want to get to. We're going to do uh, this today, and I'm going to try and get another one out. I've been doing one of these a week, but I'm going to try and get another one out before Thursday uh, because I want to cover all four of these, and we're not going to get to it today. But I think that there are four basic categories of grumbling, and we can see them in the lives of the children of Israel. And those four categories are the why grumble, and the second one is the entitlement grumble, 
or uh, uh, I deserve better grumble. Uh, then three is the panic grumble. And four is the good old days grumble. And so as we see these things, and I'm just going to throw them, I'm not saying they're the only four there are, but I have saw those four. I saw those four in the life of Israel in the wilderness. And my thought is, my feeling is, and, and, and certainly an application, if we can identify when we're doing this kind of grumbling, well, then we can turn it around and know how to apply thanksgiving to counteract it because the opposite of grumbling is thanksgiving and the opposite of thanksgiving is grumbling. So if I'm grumbling, I need to give thanks. Well, if depending on what kind of grumbling I'm doing can determine what kind of thanks or where I need to direct my thankfulness in order to to eliminate the grumbling. So the first one, and I want to look at it, it's in uh, the book of Exodus chapter 14. As a matter of fact, all three of these, particularly the first three, are in uh, Exodus uh, chapter uh, 14, 15, and 16. And uh, I've got a new piece of technology, and it doesn't seem to be doing what... There it is. Uh, And it says in Exodus chapter 14, beginning in verse 10. Now, the story of this, and, and I've done a lot of preaching on this, and the story is that they have been delivered from Israel. Think of that. Moses came back after being in the wilderness for 40 years, and they had lived for 400 years, a great majority of it, under hard bondage they were they were worked to death they were whipped they were starved at one time the firstborn sons of every one of them uh, were taken from them and killed and uh, thrown into the nile to worship that god of egypt and so this was a bad time for them and moses had come and god had done marvelous things if you think about what god did in that period of of Israel's deliverance from Egypt, the ten plagues, powerful, powerful things. Uh, the the Passover, powerful thing. And now they've come; they're out of of Egypt. I mean, those plagues were so powerful that uh, the Egyptians didn't come and say, "Okay, okay, we'll let you go." The Egyptians came and said, "Get." out of here. They begged them. They said, just get away from us. We can't take any more of this. But then once they get out, the Pharaoh changed his mind. And that was, the Bible says God hardened his heart because God wasn't going to leave something undone. And it was a little bit undone. And maybe I'll talk about that. Maybe I won't get time. But so they find themselves uh, in another bad situation. And in this bad situation, uh, what they do Kind of, it's almost striking when you think about what's just happened to them. But in verse 10 of Exodus 14, when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians, for Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. So here's the grumble. God has done wonderful things. And granted, listen, sometimes 
if you look at the outward, if we look at our circumstances long enough, we can find good reasons for the grumbling, can't we? And and in a, in one sense, if you look at where they were, uh, they had an army behind them. And this army, I don't believe it was there to bring them back to Egypt. Maybe, but I don't believe it was there to bring them back to Egypt. Just about everyone, if not everyone in that army, had lost a child. The very last plague was the plague uh, of the firstborn, and every firstborn in Egypt died. So it's likely that almost all, if not all of those men, had lost a child. Had lost a child. If they were old enough to have one, they lost one. And so when they come out against uh, Israel, when when Pharaoh says, listen, I'm, I'm not going to let these people get away, and they came out against Israel, I don't believe that they were going to bring Israel back. I believe that that army was going to kill every man, woman, and child among them. They were angry. And so they, they show up. And, you know, it's interesting if you read the story, God led them to right where they were. Sometimes God leads us to where we need to be, not to where we want to be. That's really good. You need to think about that. And so God had led them right to where they were. And the, and the whole purpose was that God wasn't done with Pharaoh yet, but the people didn't know that. And so they look behind them and they see this huge army. They're not an army. They're a bunch of slaves. They don't hardly even have weapons. And in front of them, they've been led to the shores of the Red Sea. There's no way across that. They can't get across there, certainly not in time to save everybody from the Egyptian army. And so the people of Israel, they rise up and they say, why did you bring us here? Why didn't you leave us alone? The why grumble is something that we face a lot. Every one of us have been there. Why did this happen to me? Why is this going on? Sometimes we ask the question because we we have this need to know. We want to understand things. And so, God, I, you need to tell me what's going on here. Well, does he really? The truth of the matter is you will know what you need to know when you need to know it. Hallelujah. God will give you understanding. And he's not, he's not upset when you ask him honest questions. But the why grumble is not an honest question. The why grumble is an accusation. Why did you do this to me? Why is this happening to me? There must be something wrong with, with this situation. And uh, a lot of times we ask it with these words, not with why, but it's not fair, God. This just isn't fair. Why should this happen to me? You, uh, you're not being fair with with me. And so the why grumble puts us into a position where we are really accusing God. Now they were accusing Moses, but Moses only did what he did because God empowered him. Listen, Moses didn't part, uh, well, they hadn't parted the Red Sea yet, but Moses didn't bring the frogs. Moses didn't turn the, the Nile into blood. Moses didn't bring darkness onto the land. That was God. Moses was the channel. That's all. And God did those things. And so when they say, why did you do that? It's not fair. Why did this happen to us? Then what they're really saying is, we don't believe that you, Moses, nor the God that you serve has our best interest at heart. And we're going to look at this uh, next time as another grumble. But in the end, we hear this again and again and again. We had it better in Egypt. It would have been better to die there than it would be to, uh, uh, to live there to serve the Egyptians, and they would have died, than to die now in the wilderness. So for a few extra days or a few extra years of life, they were willing to live under bondage. You see the why grumble. 
they weren't, what was the problem? They weren't being thankful, and that unthankfulness was making their thinking unfruitful. It was making their thinking futile, and it was darkening their heart until they couldn't see. Now, what what was the problem? What should they have done? They should have begun to thank God. They should have begun to think about, God, I thank you for what you did in Egypt. My goodness, you, you, t- you destroyed, the, I mean, their economy, the Egyptian economy had to be wiped out by the time uh, God was done with them. You destroyed Egypt. You set us free. It was absolutely impossible for you to do that, but you did it anyway. Oh, God, we thank you for what you have done in our lives. Oh, God, we thank you for how far you've brought us. Oh, God, we thank you for bringing us out of Egypt. And God, we see this situation. We don't understand. We don't know how we're going to get out of this, but we didn't know how we're going to get out of Egypt either. So God, we thank you for what you've done and then just trust him for what he was going to do. But the unthankfulness closed the door of trust. Do you see what I'm saying? When we choose to be thankful, it opens the door of trust because we're rehearsing in our own heart what God has done. And if he has done it, if he's taken care of us up till now, he's not going to stop taking care of us now. And this is the thing that's going to continue as we talk about this, these things. But you see, I believe that we need to take a look at these grumbles in our own life. Are you asking God why? Now, there's nothing wrong with honest questions again, but sometimes you don't need to know why. Sometimes God is doing things if he told you, you wouldn't understand it. Sometimes he's doing things if he told you, then you would say, no, I'm not going there. Listen, if God told them what he was going to do and what he was going to do was destroy the only force that could ever take them back into bondage, and that was the Egyptian army. That's why he did that. But if he told them that, do you suppose they'd have jumped in and said, well, 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 how are you going to do that? I don't understand. There's this army. How are you going to destroy the army? We're backed up against the sea. That doesn't even make sense. So God wouldn't tell him that. God just said, uh, through Moses, he said, fear not, stand still, and go forward. And that's a whole other message, but that's what he told them. And that's what Moses told them. And so uh, they needed to give thanksgiving to God. The more we thank God, when we identify these grumbles, if you've got the whys going on, you begin to thank God for what he has done. You begin to thank God that he'll tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. You begin to remember as you thank God that you didn't know how he was going to get you out of the last mess. And so if you didn't know how he was going to get you out of the last mess, you don't need to know how he's going to get you out of this mess. What you'd simply need to do is you need to let your trust in God override your need to know. Did you hear me? You need to let your trust in God override your need to know. And if you do that, if you do that, then thanksgiving begins to flow, and that actually flows as we give God thanks, and you open the door for God to do something wonderful for you in this situation, just like he has up until now. I want you to encourage you as you spend some time in thanksgiving and through the whole Christmas season to, to attack the grumbles with thanksgiving unto God. Next time, we're going to talk about the other three grumbles. I think you're going to enjoy it. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus, and Jesus deserves our thanksgiving. This podcast is an outreach of Living Word International, a division of Intercession Ministries. If you'd like to contact us, please email livingwordintgreen at gmail.com. That's livingwordintgreene at gmail.com. Have a great day.